Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. WABC New York and 1071 WLIR Hampton Bays. It's the 77 WABC News Hour. Talking the news with Noah Layden. All the news you need to know with Joe Nolan, Traffic, Justin Ellick, Sports. And now, talking the news with Noah on 77 WABC. Good morning. This is James Flippin filling in for Noah Layden on this Thursday. It's August 24th. Let's get you your Ramsey Mazda three-day weather forecast. Kicking off. Showers likely this morning, mostly cloudy otherwise, 81 the high. Tomorrow, rain in the morning, 79 the high. And then Saturday, looking sunny, topping out at 82. We've got 70 degrees in midtown Manhattan, 67 in West Orange in New Jersey, 71 in West Hempstead on Long Island. That's the weather forecast from the Ramsey Mazda Weather Center. So a story out of Oklahoma this week has a teacher in her 50s arrested after being accused of being drunk at school at an intermediate school in Oklahoma she got pulled out of class. It was actually the first day of school. Just observing you in classroom, it looks like something's off a little bit. The superintendent and a cop had pulled her out of class. So this got me thinking of a story from back when I was in college, working as a camp counselor, sort of a day camp, a summer camp. The town recreation department organized it, so we called it rec. I was a rec counselor. And every morning we'd put out some kind of sport on the big field there, usually touch football. And one of my co-counselors had had a few too many the night before. We were in college, after all. We all wore our sunglasses, if you catch my drift. But this colleague was a bit worse for wear, and you could say that he was giving off fumes that particular day. So one of the counselors, who couldn't have been more than six or seven years old, famously said, at least amongst all of us that worked there at that job, we had to try and stifle our laughter, at least till later in the day. The kid said, you smell like my grandma. So, anyway, we had some laughs over that one. Let's get into our top five headlines this morning. The top five at five. A horrific hammer attack in Brooklyn has left a mom dead. and Two children are fighting for their life. A mom in Queens will not be charged, per the district attorney, but a 75-year-old man is accused of crimes after a little girl went missing. A mass shooting at a bar in California has left four people dead, including the shooter. We'll get into last night's GOP debate in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, which many say was civil. Finally, former President Donald Trump wasn't at the debate. He's supposed to turn himself in today in Fulton County, Georgia. And we've got sound from his interview on X with Tucker Carlson. A horrible story out of Brooklyn this morning and highlights the true horror that is mental illness in terms of when it turns violent. Cops say a man that lived with a woman and her two children in Brooklyn Went on the attack yesterday using a hammer. This was in Sunset Park. The man lived in one of the apartment's small rooms. This is a three-bedroom apartment there. His attack left the 43-year-old mom dead. Her two children are said to be in extremely critical condition. Here's NYPD Chief of Patrol John Chell. Three removed to a local hospital. And like I said, the mother passed away. And the five-year-old son... The three-year-old daughter are fighting for their lives. The cops say three families live inside the apartment. The murdered woman and the two kids, they lived in one of the three rooms there. Chief Chell 
using the word vicious to describe the attack. It was horrific and a senseless act of violence which took the life of a married mother of two. TV cameras caught the guy, <clears throat> excuse me, being loaded onto a gurney. The word is he'll undergo a psychiatric evaluation while in custody. Over to Queens now, where this five-year-old girl that went missing on Wednesday, or I should say Tuesday, originally it felt like maybe a happier story, sort of, and that she was found safe hours after being reported missing. But there are some darker details to get into, at least allegations to report. The 75-year-old guy who allegedly took the girl is being charged, Franz Vila. He's accused of kidnapping, unlawful imprisonment, and a criminal sex act. At one point, it sounded like the girl's mom was going to be arrested, too. But late yesterday, we found out that Queens DA Melinda Katz will not press charges against Kimberly Paiwan, the girl's mom. Apparently, the little five-year-old girl and her mom were shopping at Food Town in Jackson Heights Tuesday morning. The mother knew Vila and allowed him to take the girl to a park as she shopped for food. He was later arrested with the girl at a subway station after what basically happened was the girl's mom said she lost contact with them. She went to the park, didn't see them there. That was, you know, hours after she'd given this permission to take the girl to the park. Then she called police. We don't have details on what happened after the girl was taken. We know at least one witness saw the man and the girl at the park. That woman spoke to Eyewitness News. And you saw this, this man? This man? Yeah, same man. Same man. I saw him. In the Travis Park, he's playing in the swing. Uh, he's going in the slide. And, I, and he's with the little girl? Yeah, yeah. This girl. I saw her. Morning. Morning, I saw her. And he's feeding ice cream and all. The girl is now in the custody of her father. In Southern California, in Orange County, four people are confirmed dead. Six others are in the hospital following a mass shooting that unfolded at a bar last night. Jeff Halleck is an undersheriff with the county. He says deputies arrived at the bar just minutes after the first 911 calls came in. The caller stated that the male fired four to six shots. About two minutes later, at 7.06 p.m., deputies arrived on scene and dispatch could hear gunshots in the background. Halleck says the suspect was killed by more than one deputy. Deputies then confronted... A male subject that was armed with a gun. At that point, a deputy involved shooting occurred, uh, and that involved multiple deputies. Five of the six survivors of gunshot wounds. Orange County Fire Authority Chief Brian Fennessy explaining multiple survivors are now in critical condition. And witnesses say the man walked into the bar carrying two guns. Everyone started freaking out because he started hearing more shots, more fire, and then you started hearing other stuff, and you think, I don't know what to, you didn't know what to think. Everyone was just in panic, hiding, and then people are saying he's up the hill, they're chasing him, and then everyone started panicking. Per reports, the shooter was a retired law enforcement officer who initially started shooting at his estranged wife, and the couple reportedly were going through a divorce. So last night, Milwaukee, Wisconsin, Fox News hosted the first GOP primary debate. We've got plenty of sound from that. WABC News Time 508. James Flippin filling in for Noam Layden this morning on the 5 a.m. news hour. So Fox News hosted that GOP primary debate last night, and there were plenty of candidates up on stage there as they vie for the Republican presidential nomination. One of them, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, who at one time was considered perhaps one of the chief contenders, one of the top guys in terms of challenging former President Trump for the nomination. But DeSantis has been lagging in the polls recently. One of the things he did talk about last night was the economy. And he went on the offensive talking about President Biden. And DeSantis says it's time to reverse Bidenomics. Our country is in decline. This decline is not inevitable. It's a choice. We need to send Joe Biden back to his basement and reverse American decline. 
We must reverse Bidenomics so that middle class families have a chance to succeed again. We cannot succeed as a country if you are working hard and you can't afford groceries, a car or a new home while Hunter Biden can make hundreds of thousands of dollars on lousy paintings. Former New Jersey Governor Chris Christie, a familiar face, a familiar voice in terms of people up on the debate stage. He said he agreed with DeSantis, but added that he's the better candidate and has a track record that proves it. Christie said, by the way, that former President Trump's conduct was beneath the office of the President of the United States. Businessman and political upstart Vivek Ramaswamy, he disagreed. President Trump, I believe, was the best president of the 21st century. It's a fact. He called the cases against Trump politically motivated. He also had some pointed words for Christie. Ramaswamy saying that Christie's claim that Donald Trump is motivated by vengeance and grievance would be a lot more credible if his, quote, entire campaign was not based on vengeance and grievance against one man. By the way, Ramaswamy said he's opposed to sending more aid to Ukraine amid the war with Russia. I would not. And I think that this is disastrous that we are protecting against an invasion across somebody else's border when we should use those same military resources to prevent across the invasion of our own southern border here in the United States. Ramaswamy is a guy who has risen in some polls recently. One of the things he also spoke about, climate change. The climate change agenda is a hoax. Calling it a hoax over those whoa, whoa, whoas. As far as climate change, South Carolina Governor Nikki Haley said the U.S. has to do its part to fight it but also says China and India must cut emissions. And the right way to do it is, first of all, yes, is climate change real? Yes, it is. But if you want to go and really change the environment, then we need to start telling China and India that they have to lower their emissions. Haley, the former governor of South Carolina, she said President Biden's climate policies are helping China. She also called out Ramaswamy. And the problem that Vivek doesn't understand is he wants to hand Ukraine to Russia. He wants to let China eat Taiwan. He wants to go and stop funding Israel. You don't do that to friends. What you do instead is you have the backs of your friends. Ukraine is a front line of defense. Like we said, a very crowded debate stage, and uh, one of the names up there, one of the faces, former Vice President Mike Pence. He touted his record on immigration. We secured the southern border of the United States of America and reduced illegal immigration and asylum abuse by 90%. And we'll talk more about migration this hour as it connects to New York here. Um, There's a new study out concerning what New York should be doing in terms of the costs of dealing with the migrant crisis. And we've also got the latest on what the city is doing in terms of shelter. Pivoting off that for right now, Vice former Vice President Pence said that he'd push for a federal 15-week ban on abortion if elected president. The American people will have a champion for life in the Oval Office. And former Governor Haley, she described herself as unapologetically pro-life, but argued a national ban would never pass through Congress. She and Pence sparred over the abortion topic. Seventy percent of the American people support legislation. But in terms of names that haven't gotten quite as much ink or quite as much airtime, <clears throat> excuse me, Governor Burgum of North Dakota, he said such a ban is unconstitutional and that the issue should be left up to states to decide. By the way, Burgum, that's Doug Burgum, He took part in the debate despite suffering a Achilles tendon injury while playing basketball recently. He said, if you're going to lead this country, you ought to be able to stand on one leg for two hours. I ended up with a, uh, you know, I played basketball my whole life and loved the sport and have 
been on the court when other people have blown their Achilles and just was never thought it was going to ever happen to me. But I uh, got a high-grade tear on my Achilles tendon last night, and that's a uh, and th- that you know the recommendation for that would be be off your feet for a week or more. But we're not going to let that get in the way. And to his credit, he didn't. So some of the bigger topics for sure, as we've gotten through here, there was also education. These candidates talking about education last night. Governor Ron DeSantis saying he wants schools to focus on solid academics and not woke issues. The decline in education is one of the major reasons why our country is in decline. We need education in this country, not indoctrination in this country. And Ramaswamy went so far as to say he wants to abolish the Department of Education and use that money to focus more on students. Governor Burgum wants to give more educational control back to the states. When we start talking about education and we think that we're going to have a federal government one-size-fits-all, we're just completely losing track of the fact that education differs by states. Some, some school districts are doing a fantastic job, some less so. Former Governor Haley, she said parents need to be kept in the education loop. So we told you earlier, Governor DeSantis went on the offensive against Bidenomics in the interest of equal airtime, or at least trying to get all these different candidates on here a little bit. South Carolina Senator Tim Scott, he also took aim at Bidenomics. Joe Biden's Bidenomics has led to the loss of $10,000 of spending power for the average family. Meanwhile, the elephant not in the room was former President Trump. That was at least a somewhat clever headline, I thought, that I used for the website yesterday. A little Republican elephant in the photo of Trump side by side. Instead, former President Trump, not at the debate, he was at his summer home in New Jersey in Bedminster, where he taped an interview with Tucker Carlson. Trump telling Carlson, because he holds a big lead in the polls, he didn't see the point in participating in that debate. They did have a wide-ranging discussion that spanned about 45 minutes. And we've got some audio from that coming up in just a minute here. But WABC News time, 5.15, and that means we're going to get a check of sports with Justin Ella. Good morning, Justin. Good morning, James Flippin. Happy uh, Friday Eve. We'll start here in the Bronx. Aaron Judge put Yankees fans out of their misery, almost single-handedly lifting the Yanks to a 9-1 to win over the Nationals in the second of three against Washington. Judge seemingly fed up like the rest of us after nine straight Yankees losses went scorched earth. With three home runs and six RBI on the night. Here's what all that sounded like, courtesy of the Yes Network. High fly ball. Center field. <laughs> God. Way God. See ya. A long home run for Judge. And the Yankees have a lead. And it is one nothing Barbers. High fly ball. Deep center. Thomas back. Still back. Looking up. See ya. To Monument Park, the power is back. A grand slam for Judge, and it is six nothing. The Yankees. High drive, right field. If it's fair, it's gone. See ya. Another home run for Judge. Three on the night for the first time in his career. What an evening for Aaron Judge. Eight nothing Yanks. To boot, Luis Severino looked like his old self on the mound for New York, shoving six and two-thirds of one-hit shutout ball. Now out of the abyss, the Yanks will somehow play for a series win in this afternoon's finale with Washington. First pitch is set for 1.05 p.m. with Michael King set to take the hill against Patrick Corbin. Down in Atlanta, the Mets fell flat in their series finale with the Braves getting bullied to the tune of a 7 nothing final score. Simply put here, the Bats couldn't figure out Charlie Morton on the hill, with the Atlanta right-hander bringing up 11 Mets through seven stellar innings of two-hit ball. And after an update today, they'll see that the Mets 
They'll see if they can get back in the win column when they welcome in the L.A. Angels tomorrow night. Speaking of those Angels, James, news came late last night that Shohei Otani has a tear in the ulnar collateral ligament. Yes, that's oh, a UCL. No. You hate to hear it. In his right elbow, he will Jeez. not pitch again this season. Yeah, Right so, before his free agency, too. Right, exactly. So the MRI, he really pitched the first game of a doubleheader yesterday, and then after that, he hit in the second game. Uh, but an MRI following the first game did show the tear. So now he has a choice, right? I mean, he could get uh, Tommy John surgery. He already, he already got it in 2018, so this would be his second time getting the surgery. And one, obviously, that would keep him off the mound for the entirety of the 2024 season. Wow. And clearly a development like that would have uh, significant effects on the free agent sweepstakes that most people really expect to surpass $500 million. I mean, yeah. I mean, the guy basically is one of the top pitchers and sluggers in the game. He was going to get an unreal contract. I mean, I'm right. sure he still will. But yeah. it makes you wonder, like, maybe he should shut it down mm-hmm. and pitch out of the bullpen only or something like that yeah. and just focus on hitting. I don't know. Something like that. I mean, it can't it can't possibly be sustainable for him to, you know, yeah. start start 30 games and have, uh, you know, 600 at-bats every year. And a second Tommy John surgery is pretty concerning. It's so. not that great. You hate to see it, especially, you know, 2018 wasn't Unreal. that long ago. Yeah, so. what, if it is the end of the two-way play from him, what a treat it's been. Up really? Yeah, you know, it really has been. I mean, uh, to see the kind of success he's had. But hopefully not, James. Come on. Don't be so bleak about it. I, you know, I should be a little more. I shouldn't be putting an end to the guy's starter, uh, you know, career as a starter already. Exactly. But, wow. Who are you? Who are you to say it's over, James? Wow, that's just crazy. All right. <laughs> Bad news out of uh, Southern California. Thank yeah. you, Justin. You got it. All right. So back to Bedminster, New Jersey, where former President Trump and Tucker Carlson had this wide-ranging interview. Some of it covering things you might expect, like Trump blasting President Biden and saying that the president's both physically and mentally unfit to continue holding office. Trump also suggested he's aware that the Democrats could choose to nominate a different candidate in the 2024 presidential election, but he said he prefers to run against Biden, given his track record. He also addressed the indictments against him and the war between Russia and Ukraine. As Trump has said before, he wants to end that war and says he would end it as president. He also said that he, while in office, avoided nuclear war with North Korea, or at least suggested that he thinks he was able to keep Kim Jong Bill from using a nuclear weapon against a military installation. First cut we have here is from when Tucker asked Trump about the indictments against him and the fact he's leading in the polls anyway. I think the people of our country uh, don't get enough credit for how smart they are. And I, I'm not sure I would have said this 10 years ago, but they get it. You know, they yeah. really get it. When somebody gets indicted, your poll numbers go down. When somebody gets indicted, you announce, uh, ladies and gentlemen, I'll be leaving to spend time with my family and to fight for the rest of my life on this stuff. But you're out of politics. I got indicted four times. All trivia, nonsense, bullshit. It's all bullshit. It's horrible. WABC News Time 521. James Flippin filling in for Noam Layden this morning on the 5 a.m. News Hour. So, all this audio, courtesy of Tucker Carlson on X, former President Trump, also got into the allegations against President Biden and his family that they've sold access or influence to foreign entities. China pays this guy millions of dollars. See, I think he's the most corrupt president we've ever had. And he also has the distinction of being the most incompetent. And I believe both. I mean, he's both incompetent and corrupt. So and I, I actually believe he's compromised because China knows so much about him. They know where the money comes from. They know where it is, who paid it, and they probably paid it. Well, they do pay Penn, and he gets a 
you know, a million dollars. I think it takes $999,000 because, you know, keeps it a little bit under a million, like by a dollar. You saw Carlson sort of cutting in there asking Trump, well, who does run the government? And Carlson pretty much let Trump talk, by and large. And Trump did take the interview in some different places at times. He talked about the majesty of the Panama Canal, for example, and the fact that thousands of U.S. workers died from malaria while building it. Trump also noted the canal was sold from U.S. control, referring to the Torrios-Carter treaties, which were signed in September of 1977. The treaties guaranteed that Panama would gain control of the Panama Canal after 1999, which ended U.S. control of the canal, which had gone back to 1903. The treaties are named after the two signatories, U.S. President Jimmy Carter and the commander of Panama's National Guard, General Omar Torrios, Trump feels that was a mistake. He also said that China controls the canal. He's referring to a 2016 land acquisition deal, a $900 million deal, in which the China-based Land Bridge Group acquired control of Margarita Island, which is Panama's largest port on the Atlantic. Here's Trump talking about the canal on X with Carlson. China now controls it. They actually control the Panama Canal. They run it. They control it. And we shouldn't let that happen. And we can't let China be in Cuba and they'll get out. If I'm president, they'll get out. Because I had a very good relationship with President Xi, but he respected this country. He respected me. And he'll get out. Trump also discussed the push for EVs, electric vehicles, here in the U.S., couching it as the type of thing where government wants to have too much control over Americans. The happiest moment for somebody in an electric car is the first 10 minutes. In other words, you get it charged, and now for 10 minutes... The unhappiest part is the next hour because you're petrified that you're not going to be fine to another charger. People, I'm saying if people, I'm not knocking electric cars, they're fine. They're fine. But if people want to buy a gasoline car or a hybrid, hybrids are pretty good, actually. But they should be allowed to buy. And then we know that Trump is expected to turn himself in to D.A. Fonnie Willis today in Fulton County, Georgia. Prosecutors allege Trump and 18 of his co-defendants conspired to overturn the Peach State's 2020 election results. You know, the D.A. in Manhattan. Not only that, they put a one of the DOJ top people into the Manhattan D.A.'s office to run things. They don't even have a case against me. It's not even a case. Everyone says... Even the Democrats say, you can't bring these cases, you have no case. The attorney general or the uh, district attorney, Fannie, Fannie Willis, in Atlanta, she's getting killed. Basically, she's saying Trump doesn't have the right to, uh, to criticize an election. And that audio again from Tucker Carlson on X. Down in Atlanta, Trump is likely to receive a mugshot, have his picture taken upon surrendering at the Fulton County Jail. The co-defendants have until the end of the week to surrender. It is expected Trump's appearance will be televised. Cameras will be allowed in the courtroom through September 8th. Fulton County District Attorney Fonnie Willis is pushing to hold the arraignments for all the defendants until after Labor Day. Trump and 18 others were charged last week in connection to alleged efforts to overturn the state's 2020 election results. The former president's expected surrender Thursday is separate from any arraignments. I'm Brian Shook. One of Trump's co-defendants, America's mayor, 77 WABC's own Rudy Giuliani, the 107th mayor in New York City's history. He turned himself in yesterday. Giuliani saying he's honored to be tied to the case in Georgia regarding the 2020 election. The former New York City mayor and Trump attorney called the racketeering charges he faces an attack, but not just on him and not just on Trump. This is an attack on the American people. 
If this could happen Watch to me, who is probably the most prolific prosecutor, maybe in American history, and the most effective mayor for sure, it can happen to you. Giuliani says he's being charged just for doing his job as a lawyer. I'm being prosecuted for defending an American citizen who uh, I do as a lawyer. He made his statement after being booked at Fulton County Jail in Atlanta. Giuliani released on $150,000 bond. Allegations of stolen elections at the center of all that. Stolen COVID-19 funds have now topped over $1 billion. That's according to a new study from the U.S. Justice Department, which said yesterday it has seized over $1.4 billion in stolen relief funds and charged over 3,000 defendants nationwide. Last June, it was reported that up to $200 billion may have been stolen from the government's COVID-19 relief program. $200 billion. So in recent days, protests have been popping up around New York City. Long Island Republican George Santos, our own Sid Rosenberg, our own Curtis Sliwa, all protesting tent cities being sent up to house migrants throughout the five boroughs. A new study suggests New York could save a lot of money on housing migrants that have come to the Big Apple. Talk about that story in just a second here. So, according to the New York City Immigration Coalition and WIN, roughly $3 billion could be saved if newly arrived migrants are put in permanent housing and given vouchers instead of being placed in an emergency shelter. But making the shift to vouchers would require the city's law to be changed. Governor Kathy Hochul has said she will provide an update on the migrant crisis today. Meanwhile, New York City officials working to resettle migrants. City officials are working on moving adult migrants out of hotels so families with children can move in. However, Deputy Mayor Ann Williams-Issam says placing families in hotels is not a long-term solution. This is an immigration issue. This is not a homelessness issue that should be at the door of the DHS system and going back and forth talking about waivers and all these other kind of things. The DOA is on site at hotels to enroll arriving children in appropriate schools. Meantime, city health officials say 800 migrants are at Creedmoor, while another 350 are being sheltered at Randall's Island. I'm Bob Brown for 77 WABC News. A street in Queens has been renamed after a New York City firefighter who tragically lost his life in the line of duty. A portion of Beach 129th Street in Bell Harbor now carries the name of Timothy Klein. The 31-year-old was killed while battling a blaze in Brooklyn in April of 2022. Klein was a six-year member of the department, and his family says this tribute will ensure he's always remembered as a hero. When we come back, we've got an effort to cut down on shoplifting in Queens, the latest from Maui on Hawaii. And a Russian general is dead months after launching an attempted coup. James Flippin filling in for Noam Layden here on the WABC 5 a.m. News Hour. Those stories and more after this. Talk Radio 77 WABC. It's the 77 WABC News Hour. Talking the news with Noam Layden. All the news you need to know with Joe Nolan, Traffic, Justin Ellick, Sports. And now, talking the news with Noam on 77 WABC. Good morning, James Flippin filling in for Noam Layden on this Thursday, August 24th. Here's the Ramsey Mazda three-day weather forecast. Showers likely this afternoon, mostly cloudy otherwise, 81 where we'll top out. Tomorrow, rain in the morning, 79 the high. Saturday, sunny, topping out at 82. 70 degrees right now in Midtown Manhattan, 67 in West Orange, New Jersey, 71 in West Hempstead on Long Island. That's the weather forecast from the Ramsey Mazda Weather Center.
So an effort aimed at fighting shoplifting is expanding to Queens. The pilot program will now be used in Jamaica, Flushing, and Astoria. And according to officials, the program enhances safety for retailers and customers. Queens District Attorney Melinda Katz says that the program seeks to also solve the larger issues. We don't want them to return to the stores and shoplift. We want to make sure that if there's mental health illness or drug addiction, that we are able to provide those services as well. Participating businesses can contact police when someone engages in disruptive behavior. The responding officers can then issue a trespass notice and warn them if they return, they could get arrested. I'm Liz Radabali for WABC News. A public tennis court is opening today at New York City's iconic Rockefeller Center, just ahead of the U.S. Open. People can play there for free through September 1st, but you do have to sign up for the Racket newsletter. Also, Circle Line setting up a tennis court on one of its boats on September 10th. The U.S. Open Tennis Tournament in Flushing Meadows runs from August 28th, Monday, through September 10th. On Maui, 115 people are dead in the historic neighborhood of Lahaina, and 1,000 or more are still missing, per the latest from the FBI, who's working on identification efforts. But until we get any more on that, how about an attempt to focus on something positive for Hawaii? A California-based children's book author is giving back to the people affected by those wildfires. Jennifer Ann Sweeney has collected 5,200 pounds of books to send to the survivors in a matter of days she received boxes of books from people not just here in the U.S., but from all over the world, Canada, Norway, Australia, and New Zealand, sending books, and Sweeney now plans to restock the library in Lahaina. The Russian mercenary chief who led an aborted revolt in June against Russian President Vladimir Putin is believed to be dead. Russia state-controlled media says Wagner Group leader Yevgeny Prigozhin was killed in a private plane crash along with nine others yesterday just north of Moscow, Pergosian openly mocked Putin over the handling of the Ukraine war, and there was widespread speculation in the international community Putin could enact revenge at some point, although there is no word on the cause of the crash. You know, we talked about this yesterday, the fog of war in terms of Russia and Ukraine. Some people have talked about that uprising or attempted coup or whatever it was as sort of maybe potentially a diversion of some kind, um, you know, a false flag, if you will. Uh, then, of course, this guy, Pergosian, um supposedly dead there was talk that maybe he would just kind of hide out in belarus for the rest of his life but this report uh following that private plane crash is that he and nine others are dead president biden back home he commented that while he doesn't know for a fact what happened he's not surprised the united auto workers union telling automakers to take their threat of a strike seriously they're attempting to negotiate a new contract uaw president sean fain held what they called a practice picket outside of a stellantis plant on the east side of detroit yesterday there are now just 21 days until the current contract expires between the big three and the uaw uaw members say they're trying to bring back everything that they take away they also want to end the two-tier work system that was put into place when the industry nearly collapsed. And that two-tier system, by the way, dates back to 2008 in the Great Recession. What they're referring to is when both GM and what was then Fiat Chrysler went into bankruptcy. The two tiers where veteran union members are on a higher pay scale and better benefits as well. Greener, newer colleagues have comparatively lower pay and lacking benefits. But they work side by side. They do the same tasks. And it's a reality that some say kind of resulted from how much the auto industry changed from, say, the 1970s to now, how much manufacturing has changed. And there are always difficulties when you talk about unions and pensions and, you know, the expense that's associated with that. 
We already talked about the debate plenty. This next story that we'll talk about is a little off the beaten path. One of the candidates asked about alien life. James Flippin filling in for Noam Layden this morning. So former New Jersey Governor Chris Christie was asked on the debate stage last night about UFOs. Moderator Martha McCallum asked Christie about extraterrestrials. He appeared to be a bit thrown off. I get the UFO question? Come on, man. He joked the only reason that she asked him about UFOs is because he's from New Jersey. But then added, the job of the President of the United States is to level with the American people about everything and to stand for truth, whether it's about UFOs or any other issue. So from former Governor Christie to New York Governor Kathy Hochul, she's taking action to increase business for local farmers. She says she signed an executive order yesterday requiring all state agencies to increase the percentage of food that they purchase from New York farmers. A quarter of our landmass is dedicated to farming, 7 million acres, as I was saying before. It's the backbone of our state. The fresh food, the, ensuring our food and beverages are delivered freshly. It's part of my commitment back in my first day of the state address to increase the capacity of our food system and create more demand locally grown, meaning our farmers. Hochul says within five years, at least 30 percent of all food purchases will be locally grown and produced. The governor estimating it will increase the spending on local food from four million to four hundred billion dollars. New research shows a connection between the consumption of fast food in teenagers and elevated mental health issues. The Melbourne Collaborative study found that teenagers who consumed large amounts of fast food were 14% more likely to experience a mental health crisis. Researchers looked at the mental health of individuals who ate large amounts of fast food between 13 and 17 years old. Officials say that processed foods are tied into a range of long-term health issues. I'm Mark Mayfield. In just about five minutes, we'll have a sports update from Justin Ellick. But New York Jets wide receiver Corey Davis putting his career on pause. He announced yesterday he's stepping away from the sport of football in an Instagram post. The 28-year-old has been excused from training camp for the past 10 days for a personal matter. He is heading into the final year of his contract. None of his $10.5 million salary is guaranteed. The pass catcher selected fifth overall by the Tennessee Titans in the 2017 draft out of Western Michigan. He had six touchdowns for just over 1,000 yards in two seasons with gangrene. China's president is skipping a key event at the BRICS Economic Summit in South Africa, but nobody's given a reason why. Xi Jinping was unexpectedly missing during a business forum, instead sending his commerce minister, who gave an impassioned speech in his name that was highly critical of the U.S. Xi arrived in Johannesburg earlier this week and was scheduled to deliver a speech himself alongside leaders from India, Brazil, and South Africa. And by the way, India this week becoming the latest nation to land on the moon. And in terms of entertainment news, the con artist behind the infamous Fire Festival is selling tickets to what he calls Fire Festival 2. Billy McFarland says the first round of Fire Festival 2 pre-sale tickets were bought out fast. People bought the $500 tickets without knowing the location of the festival or which artists will perform. McFarland served four years in prison after he pleaded guilty to multiple wire fraud charges in 2018 in connection to the first Fire Fest. I'm Trey Thomas. A beloved New Jersey ice cream shop closing its doors for good, Bischoff's and Teaneck, had struggled to remain open after 90 years in business. The confectionery institution, owned for multiple generations by the same family, even raised $10,000 on GoFundMe. In a bid to keep things going, Bischoff's appeared to have a new life 
after a pop-up version ran over the summer to the delight of many fans. But the owners say, despite exploring all options to stay afloat, they have decided to shut down September 3rd. Well, that's a shame because 100% of everybody loves ice cream. 90% of all Americans have one of these. One poll did a study, and it turns out Americans have an obsession with a junk drawer. They're usually in the kitchen, a treasure trove of stuff, important stuff. They all have rubber bands, flashlights, and probably chopsticks. Home improvement guy Bob Vila says they're necessary, and that's enough. I'm Bree Tennis. The fatal drowning of a former White House chef is being ruled an accident. Tafari Campbell was working for the Obama family. It was found dead last month on the south shore of Martha's Vineyard. The Massachusetts State Police said the 45-year-old was employed by the former president, was visiting the island when he died, but the Obamas were apparently not at their Martha's Vineyard residence at the time. According to a news release from cops, Campbell had been paddleboarding the night before and was reported missing after going into the water and not resurfacing. Barack and Michelle Obama said in a joint family statement that he was a beloved part of their family. Across the pond, Loch Ness monster hunters are gathering in Scotland in an attempt to find the creature. The Loch Ness Center is expecting hundreds of people to participate in the Quest weekend hunt. Officials say it was 90 years ago when a hotel manager witnessed a water beast in the Loch Ness. The center says the voluntary research team, Loch Ness Exploration, will be using drones with infrared cameras to detect anything beneath the surface. Volunteers from around the world will be participating in person and online this weekend to see if they can catch the myth Beast. I'm Brian Shook. The Biden administration says it's allocating $1 billion for mid-stage COVID vaccine trials. A White House official said in a conference earlier this week that a $1 billion will be split among four biotech companies and that trials are set to begin this winter. The administration is also allocating $300 million for the development of a new monoclonal antibody to protect people who are immunocompromised. Those trials are expected to begin this fall. And apparently there will be a push for more booster shots this fall, all while you're hearing more about masks amid a rise in COVID cases. An alliance of major studios is offering a new deal to Hollywood writers in hopes of ending a nearly four-month-old strike. The Alliance of Motion Picture and Television Producers is proposing new terms to the Writers Guild of America that include a wage increase. The studios claim it's the highest such proposed wage increase in 35 years. The alliance also says the deal would include some residual pay and a guarantee that written material produced by artificial intelligence will not be considered literary material. Fights over AI at the center of the entertainment lockdown in terms of the strikes right now. The writers in the U.S. film and TV industry have been on strike since early May. WABC News Time, 545. So we're going to get the latest in sports here from the executive producer of Sid and Friends in the Morning. That'd be Justin Ellick. Yes, it would be, James Fulton. Thank you very much. In the Bronx, Aaron Judge put the Yankees fans out of their misery, almost single-handedly lifting the Yanks to a 9-1 win over the Nationals in the second of three against Washington. Judge seemingly fed up like the rest of us after nine straight Yankees losses, went scorched earth last night with three home runs and six RBI on the night. Here's what all that sounded like, courtesy of Michael Kay and the Yes Network. High fly ball. Center field. <laughs> Way God, see ya! A long home run for Judge, and the Yankees have a lead, and it is one nothing Bombers. High fly ball, deep center. Tom- 
Dom is back, still back, looking up. See ya into Monument Park. The power is back. A grand slam for Judge, and it is six nothing. The Yankees. High drive, right field. If it's fair, it's gone. See ya. Another home run for Judge. Three on the night for the first time in his career. What an evening for Aaron Judge. Eight nothing Yanks. What an evening indeed for a judgey to boot. Luis Severino looked like his old self on the mound for New York shoving six and two-thirds of one-hit shutout ball. Now out of the abyss here, the Yanks will somehow play for a series win in this afternoon's finale with Washington. First pitch set for 1.05 p.m. with Michael King taking the hill against Patrick Corbin. Down in Atlanta, the Mets fall flat in their series finale with the Braves, getting bullied to the tune of a 7 to nothing final score. Simply put here, the bats couldn't figure out Charlie Morton on the hill with the Atlanta right-hander ringing up 11 Mets through seven stellar innings of two-hit ball. And after an off day today, the Mets will see if they can get back in the win column when they welcome in the L.A. Angels tomorrow night. And speaking of those Angels, news came late last night that Shohei Otani has a tear in his UCL in his right elbow, right elbow, I should say. Will not pitch again this season, obviously. An MRI following Otani's start yesterday in Game 1 of a doubleheader revealed the tear. And now the two-way superstar is left with the decision of whether or not to get Tommy John surgery, something he already underwent on his right elbow in 2018, and a surgery that would keep him off the mound for the entirety of the 2024 season. Otani's set to be a free agent, so that development... That would be significant in terms of uh, having an effect on the sweepstakes that many expect to end up in a contract north of $500 million. So we'll see where that ends up. And looking ahead locally this weekend to the final slate of preseason football games in the NFL. The Jets and Giants will go head-to-head at 6 p.m. on Saturday night in a game that will get a look at Aaron Rodgers under center for Game Green. Sports James on 77 WABC. I'm Justin Ellick. All right, thank you very much, Justin. And yeah, as far as Shohei Otani goes, it's kind of interesting because if he decides to come back uh, as a position player, right. then he'll be back much sooner. Like exactly. you know, Bryce Harper yeah. got Tommy John surgery, and he was back, I think it was like 150 days after he had yeah. surgery on his elbow. Yeah, and, so. and, and Harper was even playing a little bit of first base. I mean, I, I doubt they would do that with Otani. Right. Anybody would. He would just be the DH, but... Uh, mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, it would it would really be unfortunate to see him not pitch anymore. So your uh, beloved sports complex neighbors, exactly. the Philadelphia Phillies. It, hey, how about that? But uh, yeah, so we'll see. We shall see. We'll see in the coming days what the Angels and uh, Otani decide there. All right, that's Justin Alec with sports. And off that, he was once named the best player in college football. Now, former USC Trojans running back Reggie Bush is suing the NCAA. Bush with a hole. Bush went on to play in the NFL, says he's filing a defamation suit. He says it's based on the NCAA maliciously attacking his character and damaging his reputation. The suit centers around the Heisman Trophy. Bush won it in 2005. But NCAA investigators say he took cash, gifts, and his family lived rent-free. His statistics vacated by the NCAA, the trophy returned to the Heisman Trust. Bush wants the Heisman back, and that can only happen if the NCAA restores his numbers. I'm Phil Farrar. James Flippin filling in for Noam Layden this morning, the WABC 5 a.m. news hour. So we spoke a bit about the ongoing writer's strike earlier. Actors with SAG-AFTRA are also on strike, and an actress is turning to another line of work during that strike, which has been going on since May. Alyssa Reiner of Orange is the New Black. She spent the summer as a volunteer firefighter and ambulance driver on Fire Island. According to the New York Post, Reiner took a three-month intensive firefighting course 
back in 2021, then passed New York State's required training this past June. That allows her to drive an ambulance. She said she even got the chance to drive a shark bite victim to the hospital. And Orange is the New Black, a Netflix original. Netflix is reporting strong sign-up numbers despite its recent crackdown on password sharing. The San Francisco Bay Area streaming giant reported a nearly 26% drop in subscribers in July over June. But June set a record for sign-ups, leading to a net gain in July and numbers that were higher year over year. So Netflix estimates that more than 100 million households were sharing passwords with friends and family not living with them at one point. Wall Street analysts believe that crackdown could translate into 50 million new accounts for Netflix. A Mexico-based restaurant that was a near-carbon copy of a California-based burger chain in and out Burger has a new name. N-I-N-O-T is now known as Sophie's Burger. That's according to the restaurant's Instagram account. But photos still show red trays, burgers with sponge dough, and fries topped with special sauce, all of which are strikingly similar to offerings at In-N-Out. But it also sells items not on the In-N-Out menu, like chicken nuggets. The real In-N-Out recently told KTLA it was unable to comment about the apparent copycat because of ongoing litigation, meaning it may be pursuing legal action. I'm Daniel Martindale. WABC News Time, 5.53. James Flippin filling in for Noam Laden this morning. Let's get into our top five headlines. A horrible story out of Brooklyn highlights the true horror that is mental illness in terms of when it turns violent. Cops say a man that lived with a woman and her two children in Brooklyn went on the attack yesterday using a hammer. This was in Sunset Park. The man lived in one of the small rooms inside the apartment there, a three-bedroom apartment. His attack left the 43-year-old mom dead. According to NYPD Chief of Patrol John Chell, three families live inside that apartment. The two kids lived in one of the three rooms with their mom. And TV cameras caught the guy being loaded onto a gurney. The word is he'll undergo a psychiatric evaluation while in custody. In Queens, a five-year-old girl went missing on Tuesday. Originally, it felt like maybe it was just a happy ending kind of story because she was found safe hours later. But there's some darker details, or at least allegations, emerging here. The 75-year-old guy who allegedly took the girl to the park, well, he had permission from the girl's mom to do that, Franz Vila. But he's now accused of kidnapping, unlawful imprisonment, and a criminal sex act. Because the mom uh, looked like she was going to be arrested at one point, but late yesterday we found out Queen's Day Melinda Katz will not press charges against her. Apparently the little five-year-old girl and her mom were shopping at Food Town in Jackson Heights. The mom knew Vila, allowed him to take the girl to the park as she shopped for food. He was later arrested with the girl at a subway station, and the girl is now in the custody of her father. In Southern California, in Orange County, four people are confirmed dead. Six others are in the hospital following a mass shooting that unfolded at a bar last night. Jeff Halleck, an undersheriff with the county, said deputies arrived at the bar just minutes after the first 911 calls came in, and a gun has been recovered. At this point, the man believed to be involved in the shooting is deceased at the scene. At least one weapon has been recovered at the scene. Five of the six survivors have gunshot wounds. Orange County Fire Authority Chief Brian Fennessy says multiple survivors now in critical condition. Two of the six people we transported are in critical condition. The other four are in stable condition. Witnesses explain the shooter, a male, walked into the bar carrying two guns. Everyone started freaking out because you started hearing more shots, more fire, and then you started hearing other stuff, and you think, I don't know what to, you didn't know what to think. Everyone was just in panic, hiding, and then people are saying he's up the hill, they're chasing him, and then everyone started panicking. Per reports, the shooter, a retired law enforcement officer, initially started shooting at his estranged wife, the couple reportedly going through a divorce. 
Last night in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, Fox News hosted the first GOP primary debate among some of the names you definitely recognize. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, who blasted Bidenomics. Former New Jersey Governor Chris Christie agreed with DeSantis on Bidenomics, but said he's the better candidate and has a better track record. Christie also said that Trump's conduct, former President Trump's conduct, was beneath the office of the President of the United States. That's something that businessman and political upstart Vivek Ramaswamy disagreed with. President Trump, I believe, was the best president of the 21st century. It's a fact. He called the cases against Trump politically motivated. By the way, Ramaswamy, he gave his thoughts on climate change. South Carolina governor, or former governor, I should say, Nikki Haley, said the U.S. has to do its part to fight climate change, but also said China and India must cut emissions. And the right way to do it is, first of all, yes, is climate change real? Yes, it is. But if you want to go and really change the environment, then we need to start telling China and India that they have to lower their emissions. Former Vice President Mike Pence He said he'd push for a federal 15-week ban on abortion if elected president. The American people will have a champion for life in the Oval Office. Haley, she described herself as unapologetically pro-life, but argued a national ban would never pass through Congress. She and Pence, they sparred over the topic. Seventy percent of the American people support legislation to ban abortion after a baby is capable of... Governor Doug Burgum of North Dakota, he took part in the debate despite suffering an Achilles tendon injury while playing basketball. He said to reporters, if you're going to lead the country, you ought to be able to stand on one leg for two hours. And he did use crutches. So one of the names that was not on the debate stage, sort of the elephant not in the room, if you will, was former President Trump. And he gave an interview with Tucker Carlson that aired on X last night. Trump telling Carlson he just didn't really see the point in participating in the debate after the fact that he led so highly in the polls. They did have a wide-ranging discussion that spanned about 45 minutes, getting into some of the topics you'd expect. Trump, critical of Biden, said he's physically and mentally unfit to continue holding office. WABC News Time, 558. James Flippin filling in for Noam Layden this morning. So, in terms of Hawaii, House Republicans say they may launch an investigation into the federal response to the Maui wildfires. House Speaker Kevin McCarthy telling reporters yesterday he's very concerned about the response and questioned why there were so many deaths. At least officially, 115 people have been killed in those wildfires in Lahaina, but over 1,000 remain unaccounted for. WABC News Time 559. James Flippin filling in this morning for Noam Layden. We're going to turn now to the executive producer of Sid and Friends in the Morning, Justin Ellick. He's got a preview of what's coming up today. Indeed, I do, James Flippin. As always, bottom of each hour, you don't want to miss our WABC minicast clip of the day. Today it'll feature the Dominic Carter Show in the way of guests here. He Six, goes. Four, yeah. He is cool. 6.45 this morning, it'll be Frank Morano joining us here on the program. 7.05, it'll be Curtis Lewa here in studio. 7.40, Andrew Napolitano for his weekly uh, Thursday morning hit with Sid. Uh, 8.10, it'll be Nancy Mace. We'll do some debate talk last night, some Trump uh, with Tucker as well. 8.40, Bill, Big Bad, that is, Bill O'Reilly on the program. Uh, Bo Dino, 9.05 here in studio. And wrapping things out, James, at 9.25, Michael Franzese. That is your Friday Eve, sitting friends in the morning. And that's a program. That's Justin Ellick. I'm James Flippin, filling in for Noam Layden this morning on the WABC 5 a.m. News Hour. 70 degrees, skies somewhat overcast on this August 24th, a Thursday. Rain expected later today, so grab that umbrella before heading out. Coming up, it's Sid and Friends in the Morning with Sid Rosenberg.